This is a Baby Brunch podcast. Infertility affects women all around the world, and we should say couples, because when you are unable to have a baby at that point, people, couples, relationships become very sad. And so we actually got approached by Genevieve and I loved her story because when I heard that she has donated some of her own eggs and that she also runs a a fertility agency, I was very interested. And I must say interested for everyone else who's listening and also I'm really curious. Genevieve Ace, where are you based? I am based in Cape Town, South Africa. Tell me about... How does it come about? Do you have an urge to help other people and you decide to donate your eggs? How did it come about that you did it? So for me, I had a family member who suffered from infertility at about the age 35. She went through IVF. And one afternoon while she was chatting to my mom in our lounge, I overheard the word egg donor. And I was about 20 years old. And that was how I started uh, my research and that led me down this career path. Is it a whole process? I mean, do you arrive at the egg fertility clinic or the whatever it is, the hospital? And how do you how do you even start a process like that? Well, when I found out about egg donation, I was about 20 years old. I jumped onto Google and started doing some research. I found an agency that I was comfortable with. I then completed their application form. And then I waited a couple of months to receive an email from them to hear that I had a couple who had selected my profile. And after that, I had to go through a range of medical screening, some blood tests, um, a follicle scan, and general health checkup. And then once those results were approved by the doctors, I was given an IVF calendar uh, to follow with medication instructions. And then I started the actual donation process. Is it, is it safe, Genevieve? I mean, you, you're talking about medication that you need to take in order to probably get the process started and, and so on. Um, as a 20-year-old, how, how, first of all, how old do you need to be to be an egg donor? The legal age is 18, but most companies prefer to work with women over 21. Right, right. And up until what age? Um, most would accept up to 30 internationally, but in South, in South Africa, if you have good fertility, up to the age of about 34. Right. Is it is it safe? I mean, if you need to take medication and things, is it safe to donate eggs? Yes, it is safe to, to be an egg donor. It's the same process that any infertile woman would go through. Um, the IVF process is exactly the same. Obviously, with any medical procedure, there is a small chance of complications. But if you do your proper research and work with very re- um, reputable medical facilities and doctors, then there will be almost no risk to your health. How did it come about that... It, it became something that you wanted to do for a living. I mean, now you've donated your eggs and your profile has been selected. Uh, you, you then went on and started TravelingDonors.com. Yes, I did. I actually had two poor experiences, uh, one in Cape Town, and then I had a friend encourage me to go and donate with her overseas in Mumbai. Um, that expectation, that trip also didn't live up to my expectations. And I just thought that there was a need for someone to provide a service that was more um, hands-on and personal for the actual egg donor going through the experience. As, as far as my understanding goes, there's local uh, fertility agencies, but, you, but yours is international. Yes, we only work with international clients. Um, we don't work locally in South Africa. 
Why is that? I mean, so take me through it. What's the difference between the two agencies? Like, let's say uh, I live in Australia or I live in Germany and we really want a little baby. Um, How do they find you? So they could use Google search. Obviously, we have a website. We've got an active Facebook page. Um, I've also got a private intended parents group that people can ask to join to ask other parents questions that have been through the process. And then how do they sign up? They, they then contact you and start the process? Yeah, so they'll then send me an email letting me know that they're in, they are searching for a specific type of egg donor and that they would like to work in, say, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. They really like the clinic there. And then they would ask me to assist them in finding a suitable donor match. That is so interesting. And these donors, do they sign up with your agency? So local people come and they say, yes, I want to be a donor and, the, and, and it becomes an agency. Yeah, so anyone is welcome to apply. I mean, you'd fill out the application form. We would screen it to make sure that you're a suitable candidate. And it doesn't matter if you live in South Africa or anywhere else in the world. Um, We're able to match girls globally. And tell me, have you ever had an application and said, no, you can't donate? We We don't want your eggs? Yes. Oh, dear, you have? <laughs> oh, no. So it's not about not wanting her eggs. It's just about the minimum medical requirements to make sure that they're a healthy candidate. And also remember, you want to have the best results for the intended parents that are paying for this expensive journey. So things like you have to be of a healthy weight, you have to be a non-smoker, you can't drink excessively. Um, If you have a history of heart attacks or strokes in your family, those sort of things would definitely rule you out. Like we know pancreatic cancer is very genetic. Breast cancers are very genetic. So any sort of hereditary conditions in your family history that could be passed on to future children would preclude you from being an egg donor. Do the person who joins the agency pay a fee? Like let's say you want to join a local agency and you feel that you're the right age and you are of good health and now you want to donate your eggs. Do they, do they get paid? No, they do not have to pay to join an agency at all. It's just the application that they complete, submitting clear photos of themselves and also a short 30-second to one-minute video introduction about who they are um, so that we know a little bit about them. So that would be the first stage for them to join um, the agency. There is no joining fees. I'm curious to know about the type of people that come knocking on your door wanting babies. I mean, and I have to say this, recently in the news, a couple, two women, they were shown away because they wanted to get married. And I thought, does this still happen? I, I, was, I thought it was a joke. I thought, so who comes to you and asks for babies? Is it, is it mom and dads? Is it dads and dads? Is it, is it single women only? Um, who's, who's the majority of your clientele? A large majority of them are heterosexual couples. But we do have a lot of single women, even now it's been very popular to, for single dads, to, who want to become parents on, on their own because they just weren't able to find Mrs. Wright. So, and obviously our LGB community, we assist them as well with finding an egg donor. So, you know, there's no one specific type of person who will contact an egg donation agency for help. It just depends on where they are in their lives and what their personal fertility journey has been to date. What is social infertility? So social infertility is when a woman decides she wants to have a child, but she is in her late 30s or early 40s. And then she realizes that her fertility levels 
are no longer what they used to be, which means it makes it extremely difficult for her to fall pregnant naturally, and she would need the assistance of IVF treatments in order to have a baby. So that's when we have our career women who decided that they would rather you know, pursue their careers first and become established, and then only at 38, 40, do they start to think about becoming mothers? And at that age, it's probably a little late to have start having that conversation because a woman's fertility does decrease dramatically after 35. And what, what would you suggest? I mean, you, you own an agency that works with, let's call it a success rate all the time. Do, what age do you think is the right age to, to have a baby if we can think of one? So the way I see it, like I've frozen my eggs twice. And that's because obviously I'm already in this industry and I wanted to be proactive about my reproductive future. So now that I've frozen my eggs, I, it's not something I have to be too worried about because it gives me an insurance policy. Should I not be able to fall pregnant, you say in my 30s, I then have eggs that are 28 years old for, waiting for me should I even use them. So at the moment, you know, any young career woman who comes across my path and I'm able to have a conversation with her about how to be proactive about her reproductive future, I strongly encourage them, especially if they're between the ages of 28 and 32, to seriously think about fertility preservation. Uh, definitely go and get your AMH uh, blood test completed. Speak to your gynecologist about having a follicle scan. Uh, with, that's a scan where they look at your ovary to see how many follicles are in each ovary. And that, coupled with your hormone profile and AMH blood test, will give you a good indication of where you are sitting on the fertility scale. So if your results are on the lower side for your age, then you can start making a really informed decision about whether or not you have to start pursuing egg freezing sooner rather than later. And for me, I couldn't encourage it more. I think more young women should be looking to egg freezing at an earlier age because the younger the eggs that are frozen, the higher chance of having a successful pregnancy later in life should you need them. When you talk about freezing eggs, I mean, it almost sounds Hollywood, you know, it's, there's something glamorous about, about freezing your eggs. Where does one start? Is this something that your gynae would have access to or is it all independent agencies like your, like yours? So egg freezing at the moment is something that a woman would have to do independently. Um, they have, they are not really fertility consultant agencies in South Africa that actually assist independent women to go through this process, which is something I'm looking to explore as well. Cause it's extremely daunting when you realize, okay, I want to freeze my eggs, but now who do I contact? What do I do? What are my first steps? And even this is something that I had an issue with is a lot of gynecologists these days, they're our first line of defense for young women that, you know, they're not even having this conversation with us telling us at 28, 29, 30, have you you should get your fertility checked you should know where you are and I really feel they're doing a disservice to the young women in South Africa you know because at, at least almost all of us we should be going to the gynecologist once a year for our annual checkups and pap smears and all those kinds of things so when that happens I think your gynae should be someone who's having this conversation with us but unfortunately it's not really happening so let's say they don't I mean where where do we start so when it comes to women's health is one thing and then the next thing is in terms of egg freezing who's who's got your eggs 
my eggs are sitting at Heart Fertility in Cape Town. Um, and I did my research on which clinic I felt was the best fit for me. I really liked Heart because they're quite boutique and small. And I, I, I enjoy a very personalized approach to my IVF treatments. So I, I had a great experience with Dr. Faison. Um, and I would recommend anyone to go back to them if they were needing um, any advice on egg freezing or fertility preservation. So that's where I started. Now, I did research on Google. I shortlisted the clinic that I really liked. I made contact with them, then set up an appointment to discuss when I wanted to do this process because you have to start medication on day two or day three of your menstrual cycle. So it is quite detail-orientated. Um, and then I picked a month that suited me, and then I, re I dealt with the nurse, and she made sure that I had everything I needed in terms of medication, instructions, and I had three or four appointments during that time before I actually had the surgical egg collection. And tell me, the, the eggs itself, how long do they last when they are frozen? In South Africa, legally, you're only currently allowed to store eggs or embryos for a maximum 10 years. But I do know we are working on extending that because I feel that, you know, if it's your own genetic material, you should be the one who has a say as to when they get destroyed, if ever. So embryos and eggs can actually be stored for an exceptionally long period of time because they cryogenically preserved in liquid nitrogen at about minus 164 degrees. So they're really, really, really cold. So you don't really want to uh, store your eggs at a place that's going to be hit with load shedding because that just wouldn't go down well. No, definitely. But all fertility clinics have generators and backup generators to make sure it happens, though. I can imagine. No, I, I, maybe it's not a joke. You're right. But it's, in terms of, I'm glad we touched on education, awareness that you're not alone. You know, that's, that there is help out there. That it, how, how many people have you helped with your eggs? I have helped four families globally. There are nine genetic children that I help bring into the world. Have you met your children? Wouldn't they not mine? But my DNA or donor children, I have met uh, two of them. And then I have had Skype calls with another four. Wow. Do they look like you? The ones in Brisbane do look quite a lot like me. And then the, the other little girl in California, her daddy is Indian. So she's a beautiful little thing, but I can definitely see like similarities. Like she's got my greenish eyes and my dimples. And then I, then I helped an Asian couple in Malaysia and they've got four Euro Asian babies. And I see photos and I Skype with them before, but it's really difficult for me to see much resemblance because obviously their dad is Chinese. So his genes have definitely dominated um, in the children. How does it make you feel when you, because I think you're really lucky that you're really blessed being able to do that, you know, um, being young enough, first of all, to be healthy enough to, to be able to help people like that. It's also, on the other side, it's also very scary, you know that there's little people that's got a bit of you inside them and they, they're not even here close to you? I think it's a very personal decision to become an egg donor and you need to take, take a lot of serious thought about it. Definitely don't rush into doing it. For me, I don't have an emotional connection to these children that I know are out there. I take a lot of... Um, I am extremely satisfied that I was able to help these couples and get a lot of joy out of seeing their happiness because they share photos of me or I'm able to Skype them every now and then. I've met 
the one little girl in California a couple of times. I've actually attended three of her birthdays on because I was lucky. I was lucky enough to be in the same country at the same time on one of my travels. So that was really great. And just being around the families and seeing how happy they are and how well looked after these children are. It really gives me great joy to know that I was able to give back to somebody who really can never truly say thank you enough. Um, a bit of quick fire your way. Seeing that you own uh, TravelingDonors.com, uh, a fertility agency that, that helps overseas people. Is it sore when they harvest the eggs? So it is a bit uncomfortable because obviously your ovaries are growing follicles anywhere between you know, 10 to 15 or 20 follicles at any given time. So you do get bloated and uncomfortable, especially near the, the end. The egg retrieval process itself, you are asleep under twilight sedation or general anesthetic. And for the next day or so, you can feel some tenderness or bloating and discomfort. But anything more than that, uh, you shouldn't feel. Every now and then it can happen, but you would then obviously contact your doctor immediately for any adverse reactions. Uh, locally, and I know that you don't work in the local markets and that yours are internationally, but in the local market, if you are a couple looking for an egg donor, is it expensive? How much more or less? It is quite expensive because the actual IVF process itself is anywhere between 60 and 80,000 rand. And that doesn't, that doesn't include an egg donor. So an egg donor on top of that would probably cost you another 40,000. So you're looking about 120,000, 150,000 rand for an egg donor. Are you allowed to give gifts to the surrogate? I mean, most of the donations in South Africa have to be anonymous because that is the law. So you're not able to see any photos of the donor over the age of 10. You're not allowed to meet her. You can't Skype her. You can't write to her. So it's actually very difficult for any local couple to really say thank you. All communication has to be done through the local agency. And what's the difference? So there's, let's say the um, the surrogate, it's not her egg. So they get an egg from someone, the surrogate is someone else, and then their sperm, right? Can they do that? Yes, that you can do that in South Africa, but in order to do that, to do um, altruistic surrogacy in South Africa because commercial surrogacy is not legal. One of the parents must be South African citizens. Our market is not open to foreign nationals using South African surrogates to have babies. And then there's the other way, and I'm trying to explain myself because I'm thinking through this. So, so can you ask someone to also, can the mom be the carrier and the one who's giving her egg? That's called traditional surrogacy, and nowadays that's not so common anymore because the surrogate it has a genetic link to the child. There's more of a risk that maybe she changes her mind. So Her mind, oh dear. Because it is technically her baby. It's genetically her baby. So most couples will not go through traditional surrogacy. They will just do um, gestational, use a gestational carrier where the egg or the embryo is not genetically related to her at all. I have to ask because it's to do with intercourse or some form of and blood. Um, is there a risk for HIV AIDS? Well, obviously, all egg donors and sperm donors and, and all carriers are thoroughly screened for infectious screening. So you would do HIV, your SCDs, your hepatitis, um, even tests for rubella and cytomegalovirus. So that's to ensure that we don't have any of that happen. And then most donors are screened again just before egg collection to double confirm that we don't have any infectious disease issues. You're 29 now. When's the baby coming? 
<laughs> well, I'd need to find a boyfriend first. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Genevieve, very insightful. And I, I must tell you, I, I get to speak to a lot of people, but this was this is extraordinary. An egg donation agency, and that's helping a lot of people, travelingdonors.com. Uh, that's giving their time today to talk about and educate us on, on sure, and creating awareness on fertility. There's, there's some stuff here I didn't know. So thank you. I appreciate it very much. It's my absolute pleasure. And hopefully whoever listens might be able to get some hope into what they should be doing about their reproductive futures.